Supporter Notions is brought to you by FaceFace Games, Canada's number one source for magic singles and products. Check us out at facefacegames.com. I've been experimenting with Gyre Sage, which is still much better than I thought it was going to be. I'm pretty sure you're ago I was experimenting with experiment. I was just going to say that. I think you failed. That was where I was going next. Both of you jumped the gun. You Well, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to go that first. (laughs) That's why it's called experiment one. I hate you guys. (laughs) Otherwise, it'd be called experiment two. Good evening and welcome to episode 71 of Horde of Notions. I'm your host, Chris. With me tonight, we have everybody, the full boats with us. First of all, it's Adina. Hello, everybody. We've got Will. Hello. And we have Travis. Yes, I'm here. Excellent. And we're here to talk about Standard, with rather large quantities of people playing Magic this weekend, all playing Standard format. Seems like a good time to talk about it see what decks have done well, and what's happening. Uh, what did we have? 1,200 in Verona, 700 in Rio, and 775 in Indy. Yeah, so, is this the first time that an SCG event has had a higher turnout than a Grand Prix on the same day? I want to say that the GP in New Zealand had the same thing happen, but I think that might have been a small SCG that week as well. So how many people were at the SCG, just for Seven, everyone? Seventy-something. See, okay. apparently, if you get a, a large tournament within driving distance of me that I decide not to go to, it's going to set record attendance. <laughs> also, Indy is pretty central. It was the only event in the United States this weekend, well, obviously, except for PTQs. And there's a FOGO in Indy. There's a FOGO? One day. <laughs> I've still not had it. Me neither. One day it's I will Fogo. Fogo to Chow is like the Brazilian meat market, literally. It's the place to go if you want to get meat drunk. Oh. Good to well, know. Wouldn't the GP in Rio de Janeiro have been a better place to go get Brazilian meat? Uh, your logic is unassailable. However, it's very expensive to go to Rio. Yeah, uh, sure. About is, is Rio... Versus uh, oh. a $50... Dining. Okay. Couldn't you just, okay, couldn't you just hide in, like, Paolo's luggage? There you go. <laughs> Except that Paolo isn't traveling to Rio because he already is there. Well, he doesn't live in oh. Rio, but... No, but, I mean, he's not traveling from here to there. True. Most likely. I don't know. I'm not familiar with his, you know, personal schedule, but is is Rio one of those countries that you actually wouldn't have any trouble going to? Rio is a city. In a country that... Would you be able to travel there, or would that be the same kind of problem you have traveling here? Apparently, Brazil is incredibly difficult to get into. Really? I don't know. Yeah, like Canadians need a visa to get there, apparently. Hmm. I don't know. I wasn't considering it because I don't have infinity dollars. But yeah, how hard is the hurdle for you to get into the United States, Chris? Uh, it's not difficult if I had my British passport, which is currently expired, but as it is, I'd have to, 
apply for a visa, fly to Toronto to do the interview for the visa, uh, and then if that was approved, I would be able to actually enter the country. And uh, then I'd still have to convince them that I wasn't planning to stay there. Well, you've got can seven you months re- till GP Louisville, so just get it together. <laughs> can you just renew the British passport? Uh, yes, but they cost $300. Now, what's the other? And how is the applying for a visa and flying to Toronto cost? A lot more. Doesn't it seem better to be a passport way? Sure, but the other option is don't go to the U.S., <laughs> That's the not fun option. I was gonna say, yeah, we're we're all offended by that. Moving on, uh, let's talk <laughs> about what we've been playing. Will, you've been scrubbing out of more PTQs, right? Yeah. So, what have you been playing? I've been playing uh, Jund because it's I don't know, it's the deck that I know the best, and I think honestly, when you sit down with it, it gives you the best chance of win, winning against. Any deck that's around. Yeah. So it does Jund things. It's a 50% matchup across the board at least. It's actually higher than that. That and like the, like the one, say, worse matchup for Jund, it would have been uh, Red Green Tron, but that's not really played anymore. Instead it's the Mono Blue version of Tron that's played, and that version is not as good at being Jund. <laughs> What's, I haven't even seen the mono blue version. What does it win with? Say it's still Emrakul and stuff? Well, okay, you have, it depending. Some of them actually don't play Emrakul, but most of them do. Then they have Warm Coils, they have Sundering Titans, and they have Slaver Locks, right? Mm. <laughs> but rather, but unlike like the red-green version, whose main goal is to power out Tron as quickly as possible, this one is more, It's it sits back a whole lot more. Hmm. So in the red-green Tron version, like going turn 3 Karn or turn 3 Emrakul was a regular thing. Uh, in the blue version of Tron, it's actually, they, they rely on their counter spells early game much more. So they can't really be tapping out to go be looking for pieces. Plus, uh, the other thing is, there's a lot of them that don't play stuff like Eye of Ugin. And they don't have access to Ancient Stirrings, they only have access to um, Sylvan, uh, not Sylvan Scrying. Uh, wait, yeah, Sylvan Scrying is the one that gets the land. So, like, their only way of really, f- truly fetching a land is through Expedition Map, and their only way of fetching a big uh, piece of artifact is through Treasure Mage. Hmm. Interesting. So why are people playing that over red-green? Because it lets them play counterspells. Yeah, in, in part. People people love playing counterspells, especially um, the, the buyback counterspell. Spellbird? Spellbird. All right. Just trapped favorite card of all time. <laughs> I like it lets them play that, and I I have a friend who likes playing it, and at first he was convinced that yeah, you know, like it's a better matchup for uh, across the board, but in reality, it turns out that it's not. Like I don't know, I don't think it's a better matchup for Jund, and even he can see it afterwards. He's like, yeah, finally, it's it's not that great a matchup, or and it's not that great a deck. But it seems to be the Tron version that's in favor now, so it's what people are sticking with. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. What about you, Travis? What have you been playing? I've uh, been playing uh, some junk in Modern. Just as take a breather from Birthing Pod, even though I'm probably going to be playing Birthing Pod again next weekend. And um, 
a Bant Master Biomancer list in standard. Okay. So what are you doing with Master Biomancer? Making dudes huge. Yes. That's about it. Okay. So what's the list look like? Uh, let's see. I do have a couple other evolved creatures in there. I've been experimenting with Gyre Sage, which is still much better than I thought it was going to be. I'm pretty sure you're... Ago, I was experimenting with experiment. I was just going to say that. I think you failed. That was where I was going next. Both of you jumped the gun. You horrible. Well, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to go that first. (laughs) That's why it's called experiment (laughs) one. I hate you guys. (laughs) Otherwise, it'd be called experiment two or second experiment. Well, in my in my deck, he's experiment two. Electric Boogaloo. Uh, But yeah, I'm doing experiment one. Restoration Angel is really good with Master Biomancer because it lets you reset the creatures that you played before you had Master Biomancer in play. So I'm not afraid to run out like a Locks and Smiter if I'm holding a Master Biomancer because I can just blink it later with Restoration Angel and still get the ability. And Master Biomancer into Thrag Tusk is stupid. Yes. Into Prime Speaker? Yep. Yeah. It's a lot like the... Which I didn't know when I built it. The um, uh, Prime Speaker Band decks, they have a little bit more acceleration. They have the full eight uh, one-drop mana elf things. And they cap out with Angel of Serenity, which after playing their decks a few times, yes, Angel of Serenity is a beating. I probably want to put at least one or two in here. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Justin Uffel on Twitter today, and he played Prime Speaker Band in Indy this weekend. And that was one of the things I asked him, uh, if he thought Master Biomancer would work in the deck. Because to me, that deck seems like it's got a gigantic hole in it. It's like ramp, 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 Prime Speaker. I mean, you've got Thrag Tusk, obviously, at five, and sometimes, some of them are running Smiter main. But it doesn't seem like there's anything mid-game. So if you don't draw your ramp, the deck's terrible. Right. I have the Smiter's main, and I have the Centaur Healers on the board. Yeah, uh, I was reading, I think it was Raptor, Josh Layton's recap. It may not have been him. I was reading somewhere about how the band decks fight the red-green decks. And as he was pointing out, you can't really just try to fight them with removal. They're just going to be too fast for it. And yeah. Smiter is the best roadblock we have in standard right now. Turn 2 Smiter just stops aggro on tracks. I mean, worst case scenario is usually that you trade with something, trade with a Boros Reckoner. Well, the best thing about Master Biomancer is, well, two things. It doesn't die to a Searing Spear. Yep. And it means that every top decked mana dock is a 3 3. I like it with Experiment 1 because then when you play the Experiment 1, it's big enough to regenerate right away. Yeah. So you have been experimenting with Experiment yep. 1. That's one of the ways I was fighting the Supreme Verdict decks. See, well, he sh- he's just wrong. He should have done. told us that first. That was yeah, one well. of my experiments. I've also been running Simic Charm in the main, and that thing has been much better than I thought it would be. Oh, yeah, cards are the same. It's been across... Uh, it's, all three abilities have been really good. So, on the subject of Restoration Angel, just a quick aside, I saw it being played in Legacy today. It's only a matter of time. Card is Gross. Blinking a Stoneforge Mystic with Restoration Angel seems amusing. If you're the one doing it, it's amusing. <laughs> if you're the one watching it happen, it's not amusing at all. Probably wants to make you cut somebody's throat. 
So if either, has anybody else played or played against Prime Speaker, like any uh, or Master Biomance, or any experience with it? No, the only time I've played Standard was at the uh, at the GP, and I didn't see it in any of the nine rounds I played. You played more than nine rounds, didn't you? Oh no, you didn't. That's right. It wasn't this GP. You went to day two. It was Toronto. Cool, Adina. You've been doing any Magic King? I've been playing a lot of video games on my phone. I haven't really been playing a lot of Magic. I'm, I'm really waiting for the day when Duels of the Planeswalkers comes out for Android, because then I would be playing all the time. Or, or even better, Modo. If they could make Modo so that it would play on an Android, man, I would be so sad. I, I already like never put down my phone and. Pretty sure well, you've got to get in line behind uh, the iPad. We have to get Modo on the iPad first. So I played F and M, and I finally broke out the Assemble the Legion foils that I had been picking up religiously since GP Quebec City. And I was flicking through someone's binder before the event, looking for a trade, and I saw Descent into Madness. Now you've probably seen this card. It opened it in uh, Avacyn Restored and Sworn because it could have been a bonfire, and I don't blame you because it's possibly the worst mythic printed in the last couple of years. I think I'd rather open a time reversal. That card used to be worth something. Yeah, but that's because almost single-handedly because of Evan Owen. So, mm. Descent into Madness is black, black, three for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you put a counter on it. I believe it's a uh, Madness counter? Madness. Let me just look this up, because I don't want to get this wrong. It's uh, some sort of funky counter, anyway. Yeah, you put a despair counter on descent into madness. Then each player exiles X permanents he or she controls and or cards from his or her hand, where X is the number of despair counters on descent into madness. So that combos really well with Assemble the Legion, especially if you stack the triggers so you get your tokens before this gets a counter. And then you can simply just sacrifice your or exile your tokens to it. You also have the option of taking a card out of your hand if you're not going to need it, but why would you do that? So it's sort of like the old uh, Tango Wire stacking trick? Yeah, only better, because you actually never have to sacrifice anything that you need or that you had the previous turn. And your opponent, meanwhile, is losing their board bit by bit. But the earliest you could do this is what, like turn four, five, or six? Sure, but I mean, I was playing uh, sweepers as well. Like, I had Bonfire, uh, Mutilate. I was going to put Terminus in there, but I had to take it out. I just didn't, I couldn't fit it in. I also had um, Rakdos's Return and Aurelius Fury in the deck. And uh, some Spot Removal, Orzhov Charm, and Tragic Slip. Aurelius Fury. I had a Singleton in the deck and another one in the board. And how did it work? Uh... I only actually cast it once, and I did it for 20, so <laughs> it kind of didn't matter. So it did what it was supposed to do? Well, it won the game, but another Rakdos's return would have won the game just as well in that situation. But what you're saying is that it's batting 100. You cast it once, and it won you the game. <laughs> but there was never a time where I was in need of a top deck and thought, geez, I'd really like an earlier Fury right now. So... Spin it any way you like, Chris. It was no, it's it, good. It's not bad. It's certainly Look, not the forty dollars. You what you Travis, last time you won the bet with Jack. Just admit it, you lost this time. <laughs> Just man up. <laughs> Give it time, Will. Give it time. 
<laughs> yeah, isn't that what Tangent said about uh, a Johnny Sunstriker, whatever the heck his name is? A Johnny Collar of the Pride. Collar of the Pride. Yeah, that guy. That guy's just fantastic. <laughs> Not touching that one. But yeah, the deck worked very well. Um, I lost to two aggro decks because my sideboard was just terrible. I should have had Vampire Nighthawk and probably Fames of the Firebrand in the board to take care of the, the super aggro decks, and I figured that Sorin would be enough and an extra bonfire, and pro tip, it wasn't. But yeah, I really enjoyed playing your, the deck. Your goal, your goal to beat aggro decks was 1-1 one, one life blinking vampires? Do you know how good that is against aggro decks? It's really good. Right, but it comes from a four mana planeswalker. That's the problem. It was really yeah, good. It was really good. It's really good, assuming you're still alive on turn four. <laughs> it was really yeah. good in my junk deck where I could ramp it out on turn three. But on turn four, it's not as good. That extra turn makes all the difference. Uh, so yeah, that was that was my fault. I just completely built my sideboard wrong, and as a result, I lost to aggro. I did beat Reanimator though. Uh, which I wasn't entirely sure I could beat. I beat Green Black Zombies, and what did I beat in the last round? I don't remember. But yeah, it was it was fun. I had a great time with the deck, and I think with some work, the Descent into Madness Assemble combo could be something that I want to build around again. I beat two opponents with no permanence on board because they wouldn't scoop. They were sure that they couldn't possibly lose to two janky five-mana do-nothing enchantments. So, did you go and play FM somewhere that's not your normal store? No. Why? Well, shouldn't they be used to you by now? <laughs> like, shouldn't they be expecting some weird combination of things that... Uh... Well, I did also have Cryptgast and Grizzlebrand and uh, Liliana the Dark Realms in the deck. Well, two of those sounded good. There was nothing wrong with Liliana the Dark Realms. Keep there's telling yourself that. There's tons of things wrong with her. That that minus three ability can win you a game out of nowhere. People just don't realize how good it is. You put that on pretty much anything. Like on a Vampire Nighthawk, it's ridiculous. But if you put it on even a 1-1 lifelinking token from Sauron, I won a game just off that. Like the guy did the math wrong. I made an emblem with Sauron, uh, pumped him, pumped the token that I made the previous turn with Liliana, and then attacked for lethal. Card's good. And she just she fixes your mana for you. Especially, I had Obzidat in the deck, but I never cast him. So I think it could probably be. Cut. Did you have anything in the deck that costs less than four mana? Um, Ozov Charm, Tragic Slip. Because uh... <laughs> uh, <laughs> every card you've mentioned is like four or twelve mana. <laughs> I didn't have anything that cost twelve. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. What what costs twelve mana? Although I did see somebody unless you wanted to play all three cards on the same turn, maybe I don't know. I did see somebody flip uh, into the infinite to dark the dust mantles here. That was hilarious. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, they weren't in the same deck. It was his opponent's dust mantles here. Uh, <laughs> he was playing the unexpected results deck. Okay, that's much more understandable. <laughs> it was funny as hell. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was it was fun. I really enjoyed playing that deck. It was the most fun I've had at F&M in months. And 
that's proven by the fact that I actually took a picture of the board state at the end of one game, which I never do at FNM. Well, send me your list, and I'll build it on Modo and try it out, Chris. Yeah, it, it needs some changes, like Nighthawks uh, instead of Obsidat, I think, and Flames of the Firebrand in the board. The mana surprisingly never, bu- never hurt me, despite the fact that I was playing spells with double black, double white, and double red in the cost. No, there was no double red. That's right. Yeah, it was a good fun deck. Anyway, let's move on to what we saw this weekend at some tournaments. So there were two GPs, and of course the Star City Open, and there was a lot of stuff going on in graveyards. I think that was the uh, the takeaway mostly from this weekend. People need to start playing some Rest in Peace. Yep. Uh, actually, the guy I played uh, who p- was playing Reanimator at FNM, I did have Rest in Peace. And he said that Purify the Grave actually terrifies him more. I was thinking Beckon Apparition. Well... Snap Caster. Yeah. No, that's just bad. That's just bad. Travis, come on. Just, just, just no. Just no. Just, just, just no. <laughs> Did I make my point yet? Or should I say no a couple more times? What's wrong with Beckon Apparition? At least a few more times. What, what, what isn't wrong with Beckon Apparition? Alright, so let's see. You have this card called Purify the Grave that can be used twice. Yes. Okay, Beckonac version can only use be used once. Yeah, but it also gives you a spirit token. That right, but it, can't be, but it can't be used twice. You shouldn't need to use it twice. Because effectively, if you Beckonac version or Purify the Grave the first time, uh, Beckon is going to be better. Right, unless, of course, they're like, okay, fine, I'll just reanimate another one, and you're like... I can't use Beckon version another time. But that's a good Angel Serenity. Maybe I can block with my 1-1. You totally can. <laughs> you totally could. <laughs> yeah, unless, you know, they use one of their triggers to get rid of it. <laughs> if they want to use a trigger on a 1-1 one one spirit. You know, what, you know what Beckon Apparition is not very good against, that 1-1 one one token? If they decide to reanimate a Crater Hoof Behemoth. It doesn't matter. You could have all the 1-1 one one tokens. It's not going to do very much against the Behemoth. <laughs> I mean, you need a lot of 1-1 one one tokens for it to be good. This is very true. Um, yes, but if you're the deck you're probably playing Beckon Apparition in, all you need is that first time to keep them from reanimating, and you should win because you're playing dudes. Okay, what deck are you playing Beckon Apparition in? Yeah, I was... uh, Aristocrats? No. The thing is about Beckon Apparition, uh, well, either one, it's a time walk the first time you do it, because they just spent four or five mana to reanimate a huge beast, and you're like, uh, no. And if you can take advantage of that by killing them, like in... in Faster aggro decks that have white, or even that have black, it might be better to pay, to play Beckon Apparition. But in all other decks, you definitely want the flexibility of being able to flash it back. I know someone else who can use uh, Beckon Apparition that would probably prefer it to Purify the Grave. Oh, yeah? Jund. They're not white. Black, white mana. Well, that's true. But, no, I want to... Yeah, that's why Jund has such a hard uh, time with... Hold up, hold up, hold up. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. You just suggested suggested that Jund, which has access to black and green mana, should be using Beckon Apparition. Well, what's in green that is better than Beckon Apparition at hating out graveyard? Are you guys kidding me? This is a joke, right? Like, I'm, I'm getting trolled here? <laughs> I'm sorry, but they've probably killed your death right then. Right, because all these reanimator decks are running tons of removal. They're playing Abrupt Decay, almost all of them. Because of Rest right. in Peace and Death Ray Shaman. 
Death Rite Shaman is still much better than Beckett Apparition. So is Ground Seal, actually. <laughs> yeah, so is Ground Seal. Okay, good. So we figured out about every card that interacts with a graveyard somehow is better than Beck- Beckett Apparition. I don't know. I still prefer to call on script. Yeah, there's like 13 ways of dealing with graveyard, getting rid of graveyards, or graveyard interactions. If you're number 12 of 13, ugh, not looking good. <laughs> also, if we go, okay, Ben Stark's Esper list, had to rest in peace. Uh, then you had Tom Martell, right? Uh, nope, nope, nope. Oh, look, rest in peace. Well, yeah, nope. rest in peace is definitely the best. Right. So stop confusing people. Don't suggest best yeah, apparition. People, do not play it, please. Hey, if you're playing tokens, Beck and Apparition. In, unless you want to blow out Chris Lansdale. Right? Because <laughs> you know it's going to happen. Oh, and you want to <laughs> blow him out, that is that is the card you need. Because Chris Lansdale does not lose to real cards. <laughs> it's true. I get blown out by Jank every time. Actually, you want to speak about Jank. Uh, the PTQ that I was at this weekend, oh my god. Like, no offense, Chris. But I would have to say that all these, most of the decks that I saw there had to have come from your mind somewhere. <laughs> you didn't, you did hear about what happened to the one in Thunder Bay, right? Uh, aside from Matthias Hunt showing up? Yeah. How, uh, Hedron Crab and Glimpse the Unthinkable took down game one. <laughs> no. That, that sounds so awesome. <laughs> I saw I saw a deck that played four Judges Familiar, four Suntail Hawk, Spectral Procession, and Pride of the Clouds. Okay. Hey, I've actually been fooling around with Pride of the Clouds. I was just going to say, Travis has built that deck, not me. Yeah, that is, like, there were, there were just decks there that I was going like, oh my god, you got to be kidding me. Also, there's a lot of people that, uh, just for, like, future reference, if you're going to your first PTQ, in your deck box... Have seventy-five cards and tokens. No. All right, and so yeah, so you went to a PTQ filled with first-time attendees and horrible decks, and you still didn't top eight. No, imagine that. I lost my winning end. Okay, so the one in Thunder Bay was head judged by Kyle Rick from Ottawa, who had the following tweet: Hedron Crab milled the opposing Sprout Swarm library. But Saprling survived with Angel's Grace. That's not a clue to a cryptic crossword. That's a description of a board state at an actual PTQ. <laughs> yep, there were some interesting ones. <laughs> Seems like you yeah, want to cry I, when that happens. I, I saw a lot of people get game losses for having extra cards in their deck, though. Oh, I hate that. It made me sad. Folks, yeah. do, do what Will said. <laughs> Yeah, take an extra empty deck box so that if you trade for anything, if you acquire anything, if there's a promo card given out or, you know, if you uh, break a, you know, anything weird going on, I mean, technically you're okay to put the promo card in your deck box, but it's just better to have an empty deck box and just put all your crap in there and just have your deck and your sideboard and tokens maybe, but nothing else in that box. And then you won't have to worry about that. And and triple check, like count, double count, check all the, you know, always check your deck list and then and, and give your deck to, you know, your best friend that you've been playtesting with and have them double check it just to make sure that you don't get a game loss because you wrote down the wrong number or the wrong card. Well, actually, if you want, uh, what I use is if you go type on Google, uh, feral events, 
deck sheet. Uh, there's a PDF that you can fill out. That, that's what IL is used, just because it automatically updates numbers and count out, counts out how many cards are in your deck. You mean you're not just scrambling to get your deck together at the last minute, Will? No, I actually show up at events with 75 cards and nothing else. And Well, and my trade binder. So, one, I'm absolutely useless for other people if they're like, I need cards. You only have one uh, trade binder? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I have my I have three uh, four-laners at home. One that's completely modern stuff, and then the other two that are standard that I have my playsets in. And then I have uh, nice, thick, uh, say, the leather-bound binders mm-hmm. that has all my legacy stuff in, and then I have a trade binder, which is all the excess. Interesting. Also, my tra- my trade binder has a high turnover rate. Yeah. Mostly because I'll like I'll be tra- I trade for to get playsets of everything. So in standard, at least since most of the modern staples I have playsets of already. So it's just kind of like oh I want like these six cards that are worth like absolutely nothing. Hmm. So yeah, I only have one binder. It's not very big. So moving back to the GP. So Junk Reanimator won GP Verona. The Aristocrats won, in inverted commas, GP Rio. And the SCG was won by... What did win the SCG? Adina. Uh, no. I, let's say, let's I say Adina won the SCG. What? No, I, I was watching, actually, the GP, um, so I didn't see the, the finals of the SCG. Because so I was up at I was up at like three o'clock in the morning just randomly. My sleep schedule got all off, and I was sleeping like during the day. And then I woke up at three a.m. and I was like, "Gee, I wonder what's going on." Oh, hey, isn't there a GP over in Europe that I could? Hey, wow, cool coverage. So that, that's basically what I was doing four o'clock this morning. Yeah, <laughs> magic. Dope. All right, let's see what one standard. Well, in the the Rio, <clears throat> apparently we had a fairly uh, unique uh, uh, event occur in the finals. Uh, Rio, yeah. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Adam- it's what I'd expect Travis to do to me if we ever met in the finals of, like, an FNM, I think. I think that's pretty much what we can shoot for meeting in the finals of. <laughs> uh, a pre-release. <laughs> I th- I think a pre-release is maybe pushing it a bit too far. That's, like, limited. Uh, how about Actually, a, no. a two-man on Magic Online? Now, see, that that I could see. Like, I can definitely see us making the finals of a two-man in Magic Online. <laughs> Jeez, even I could do that. Uh, yeah. Mm, yeah. I guess. Uh, yeah, maybe. So Adam Liu won Star City Games Indie with Naya Humans. Is he related to John Wu? No. Uh, Prime Speaker Bant came second and fourth, actually, so that's interesting. But there was Reanimator everywhere, both the normal Reanimator and the Humanimator. That's not a thing. You're just talking crazy. No, it's a real thing. It came second at uh, GP Quebec City. And see, Prime Speaker Bant was second. Put two in the top four. Yeah, it did. But we're talking about Humanimator at the moment. So I said this on Twitter today. I love playing Standard right now because with the format being so open, rogue decks have a real chance of getting you know, good matchups for a lot of the, of the format. 
if you can beat, engineer it to beat some of them and get good draws. And also engineer it, and this is something that Conley said when he was on our cast way, way a long time ago, engineer it so that your rogue deck isn't something that dies very easily to the sideboard um, options for some of the other decks that are out there. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if there's a lot of hate out there for, say, the zombie decks and everybody's running Pillar of Flame, then you don't want to run a deck that's going to be weak to Pillar of Flame because it doesn't matter that you're a rogue deck. They already have a sideboard plan for you. And the whole point of the rogue deck is that nobody's planned for it and they can't deal with whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. Another good thing about rogue decks to keep in mind is never play any rogue deck built by Joshua Lemish. <laughs> the other thing... That, about, that, that, that is a pro tip. Alex Hayne will tell you that that is a good idea. In all seriousness... Rogue decks have the advantage that most people aren't prepared for them, so they don't know how to sideboard. Like Jund in Modern. No, that's not a rogue deck. Oh, it's gone rogue. (laughs) But It it has went off the radar. To expand on what Adina was saying, this is the worst possible time to build a rogue deck that uses the graveyard, because after this weekend with Humanimator and Junk Reanimator putting up such great results... It, graveyard it's going to be everywhere. Main deck ground seals. Well, possibly not. But it can trips, so I, I wouldn't like be like oh, that's an awful idea. Well, you should because it is. Unless but you're I mean, every, pillar fort. But everybody's going to have stuff in their sideboard. Sideboard. I mean, they're going to have rest in peace. They're going to have Rakdos charm. They're going to have Tormod's crypt. Whatever it is, they're going to have something so that they can deal with the graveyard. Yeah, for sure. You're not going to be able to... Like, the my Mortal Servitude deck, I, I wouldn't play it right now. Because it, graveyard hate is just too prevalent. The good thing about it, though, is once the graveyard hate hates out the graveyard decks, then you can start playing them again, because they'll stop sideboarding for them. Though, in the meantime, build something around Heartless Summoning. You know, that's I've looked at terrible. that many times. Sphinx of Uthun is still in standard. Heartless Summoning and Crypt Gas together should be able to make a fairly good backup plan for each other. Yeah, and it doesn't die to a Heartless either, so... But Heartless Summoning right now, if you can start... If you can do, like, a Deadeye Navigator and uh, or a Sphinx of Uthun to start really ripping through your deck to find the cards you need. Also, I don't know how viable this is, but perhaps you could also play Prime Speaker in one of these decks. You're going to draw one less card, but you're also going to be able to cast it a turn earlier. I don't know. I saw some t- uh, chatter on Twitter this week that um, Sam Black has been filling or fooling around with Bug in Standard. Yeah. So I think we're on to something. I think you go turn two Heartless, turn three Ragtusk, turn four Prime Speaker. Yeah. You know, turn two Heartless, turn three Master Biomancer, plus something else. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> you could even go then, turn two Heartless, turn three Master Biomancer, and Smiter, which comes in as a 5-5. F- as a, what, as a five, five? You can no. do Smiter, because you need four colors a minute. Okay, but we do have shock lands. Right, but you only have three lands in play in the third turn. <laughs> and if you You'd have to go smite turn one and death rate shaman. Okay, so we can't do smiter. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> we could do Gaia Sage. You could do Gaia Sage. Are and there three drops that only involve one colored mana? Um, That's deep play. Frontline medic. 
Although I don't think we really want that in this deck. Well, that's the thing. Some of them don't see play because they cost three mana, but in a Heartless Summoning deck, when they only cost one mana, all of a sudden they're good enough. Borderland Ranger? Mm, maybe. I still, I think Gaius Age is awesome. Uh, I mean, sure, it only reduces it by one mana, but everything you cast is going to evolve her as a zero one. You'd have to play her before the Biomancer, though. Oh, no, no, not necessarily. She'd still come in with two counters, so you'd still... You could tap her the next turn for two mana, and then you could cast, like, pretty much everything in your deck. Yeah. I think that deck wants Sphinx of Uthun, for sure. It's too bad Runescar Demon rotated, because that card was just silly in in, uh, in Heartless Summoning. So you just want to make it blue, green, black? Yeah. Well, uh, what does white give us? Resto, but... I don't really think there's anything else impressive in white. I think blue, green, black is just going to be more flexible, right? It gives us better utility creatures, lets us dig through our deck, lets us draw stupid numbers of cards. Angel of Serenity, if you really want to go up. Well, maybe. I don't know, though. Or you, or you could play your favorite card, Path of Norn. Is that what it's called? No, Norn to Plowshares. Norn to Plowshares? Or is it Norn to Golf Clubs? <laughs> That's a good one. No, it's not. Um, having said that, though, uh, White also gives you um, Seance, which works really well with Heartless Summoning. So that's a possibility. But didn't we just say to avoid graveyard stuff? Yeah, we did. Okay. And I, yeah, hmm... This is Lansdowne as shenanigans. <laughs> shenanigans. Sure. See, look. Now you, now you encourage Travis. I, mentor of the meek. Well, the other thing you can do is if you've got the seance and you start out with that, then all those people who have the graveyard hate in their sideboard are going to bring it in and you side out the seance and switch to a different plan. But then we're either in four colors or we lose probably blue, which means we lose prime speaker. I say we just go turn two, Heartless Summoning, turn three, Thrag Tusk, and call it a day. <laughs> I mean, that seems fine. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, we'd rather Biomancer first, but yeah, I think we can get behind this. This is something that needs to be done. Bugs, heartless Bug. In Legacy, you play Shardless Bug. In Standard, you play Heartless Bug. There really aren't very many good three drops right now. There are lots of good three drops. Not that fit into this deck, let's put it that way. So, so what is a Heartless Bug? Would that be like a Wasp? Yes. There you go. We'll call the no, deck Wasps. Wasps have hearts. They just have hearts for murder. Oh, that should be right up your alley then, Adina. <laughs> Are we putting murder in this deck? No. We have Abrupt Decay and Ultimate Price. We don't need murder. I'd play murder over Ultimate Price. Yeah, I think I would too. It's double black, though. So we're playing Harlot Summoning. We're have, obviously have in black. Have you not seen the mana in the in standard? I have seen the mana in standard. No one plays basics. Remember? So technically, we could go turn two Heartless Summoning, turn three Crypt Ghast, and another four drops. Wait, hang on. Or, tr or two two Crypt Ghast. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I really like it. And then and then what? Grizzlebrand, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Screw that. Wild Spine Worm. <laughs> You're getting close, yeah. 
No, you can. Three swamps would give you nine mana with two crypt ghosts out. Oh dear. Integrator has behemoth. No, 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 no. I think Chris is blind <laughs> You have a 14-14 trampler. You don't need crater hoof anything. But I want to give my 14-14 trampler plus five plus five and trample. Double trample. That so, it already has. That means it gets caught in the shit. <laughs> sure. Alright, so now that we've brewed one deck that we all think sounds fun. All of us but Will. He's probably brooding in the... He's rubbing his temple silently. I think it's a real shame. No, actually, I was I just checking. The guy, that, uh, the guy that I glossed to in the PTQ uh, is first overall. Nice. Sweet. I think it's a real shame that Back from the Brink doesn't interact the way we want it to with how the summoning. Yeah, that would be nice. Because that's just another card that, you know, nobody ever thought we could play. And I still don't think we can play it, but if it interacted the way we thought with Harvest Summoning, it'd be sweet. I still think it, it will work in a Biovisionary deck. Well, it's six mana, though. That's my problem with it. Anyway, so Humanimator was everywhere. Uh, Naya Blitz and the Naya Humans decks, apart from the Star City, they, they weren't really everywhere. I mean, Samuele Estrade made top four at uh, in Verona with it. But other than that, it wasn't really uh, it wasn't really a factor this weekend. Do you think maybe the aggro decks have sort of left the format, meaning that more mid range can start to see play in, in at FNM? Nope. You can play whatever you want at FNM. Well, sure, but if you want to win, oh, then don't play something made by Joshua Lemish. <laughs> There's still the like the baseline. Yeah. I mean, they, they're still going to be what decides what gets played in the format. But the, you don't have to build specifically to beat aggro anymore. Like You can afford to take a few more risks because aggro is getting hated out of the format by other decks. Is it? Because didn't you lose because Soren didn't get you there? Yeah, but that's because I was bad at making a sideboard. I could have done a lot better had I built sideboard correctly with things like Vampire Nighthawk and Flames of the Firebrand, like I said. Or Rolling Tumbler. Uh, yeah, Rolling is fine. It does. It certainly clears out pretty much everything in the human's deck, except very often a Champion of the Parish is going to be too big for it. That being said, though, like, does, doesn't looking at these standard results make it seem like we're hoping for like some kick or some boost from Dragon's Maze? It does seem to be a very... Like, the Pro Tour was, what, a month ago? Yeah. If that, and then, like, you had Quebec City afterwards, and there's not really, like... it's. I mean, most of the stuff that's still around is stuff in the Pro Tour. Yeah, we're not right really there. seeing any innovation. And that or, like, Blue being played. I mean, Prime Speaker Bant is the last innovation that we saw... Esper Control and Band Control weren't really doing well. Like, Paolo played Esper Control in Rio and lost. Like, did not do anything. So the Right, okay. Uh, I, uh, on an interesting side note, the top eight from Rio, there's not one of the decks that has blue in it. Yeah, wasn't that the same at uh, GP Quebec City? Zero Islands in the top eight? This, it's, it's very, very odd. Because I think we can all agree that, you know, blue is kind of the go-to color normally. 
Yeah, that's, well, if it happens a third time, that's like a sign of the apocalypse, and we need to all be prepared <laughs> for that. Well, were there any blue cards in the top eight of... Yeah, there were. Like, blue, white, red was in the top eight of Verona. Like there's one in Rio? <laughs> in the top 16, I meant. Okay. Oh, no, there's a second one there. There's blue, white, red. It's worth pointing out, like, one of the blue, white, red decks in Verona that made top eight had assembled the legions in the main deck. Card is for real. That was pretty cool oh, to watch. That was fun. When did the price of Mutilate go up online? When Conley Woods. <laughs> I don't know. Online doesn't make any sense. Snapcaster Majors are like $2. Yeah, but that's because Inst- Innistrad was drafted infinite. Right, but uh, Army of the Damned is like 13 So Mutilate is $4 right now on face-to-face, just by the way. Assemble the Legions... Is it Assemble the Legion? It's only, yeah, okay. Which, by the way, in... There's only one Legion. There's not many Legions. Which, by the way, in French is Assemble la Légion! Exclamation point, which is awesome. But when uh, I was at GP Quebec City, it was selling for 50 cents. It's now up to $1.50. That's right, get there. Chris is all happy. He made a dollar. I have 12. So you made $12. <laughs> yeah. It's going to go up. You should have bet on Gyre Sages. I should have. Uh, I do have a play set of them, though. So it's yeah, all good. You should have went back and bet on uh, Boros Reckoner. Yeah, but, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. That's what they say. Not Look. always, I gotta tell you. So anyway, what really? I want an example of when hindsight is <laughs> twenty twenty. <laughs> I don't know. Just it's just you know. Sometimes when you look back on things, you kind of see them the way that you want to see them, not the way they actually were. Just a, just a generalization. I'm not. I'm not. Giving, I'm not saying like a specific magic reference here. I'm just saying in general. You know, some, sometimes we don't learn from our mistakes, and we'll just leave it at that. Okay. You guys can catch Adina next week on our new podcast, <laughs> Magic and Philosophy. <laughs> How can I fit murder into this? <laughs> Dina has all the wisdom tonight. Sure. So, blue-white-red seems to have slacked off a bit as well. I mean, there were people doing all sorts of minor tweaks to it this weekend. Like We saw Assemble the Legion. We saw somebody take Boris Reckoners out. Uh, we saw the uh, Harvest Pyre plan move to the sideboard. Do you think maybe blue-white-red has yet to find its optimum configuration? I just kind of get the feeling that the non-blue decks can just smash, 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 and, like, so they're basically, like, letting these blue decks just stay to the side and be like, yeah, yeah, you guys tweak whatever, we're just going to kill you in the meantime. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, like, I mean, I, I, I don't, I get the feeling that there is no, like, right way to tweak it, Right. Like, it has a game plan, and the game plan is just suboptimal and consider it, uh, in comparison to these mid-range and aggro... Well, not really, the aggro decks are kind of gone, but in comparison to those mid, these mid-range decks. But at the same time, almost every pro will still tell you that Sphinx's Revelation is the best card in the format. Right, because it's a blue card. And it draws you cards. Which every pro loves. Which is why the fact that Prime Speaker hasn't already spiked to 30 bucks is surprising. I wish it, it uh, doubled online. It's still less than eight, but uh, it was. I got mine for three last week. Prime Speaker is eight bucks on face-to-face games, right? But you can't really. I mean, 
Oh, Mythics Online make absolutely no sense, mm. because since uh, you have people that are redeeming them, and they're being removed from the Magic Online card pool, or at least the redeeming sets, then there's like a missing Mythics, which is why Army of the Dam is like 8 bucks. Yeah, that's weird. I think that's probably because of um, Redemption. Like, nobody was taking Army of the Damned in drafts. So it's actually like it's actually like three bucks before people jump on me, but stuff. But then when people go, I was getting ready to search to see if I had any. Then when people go to redeem, they don't have any. Actually, Army of the Dam is two fifty in real life. Well, I have a Japanese foil one. That's four bucks. <laughs> Maybe five. It's okay. There's a zombie card that will go up. Yeah, I'm and that's long game here. That's part of it. Like Death Baron. Casual players love me, love them some zombies. Just ask yeah. uh, Chewy. But while we're talking about the, the weirdness, as I was saying earlier about Angel of Serenity, it's what, a $6 card? Is that what you said, Will? Uh, yes. RL? It's almost 18 online. And that's usually a good predictor for a card that will shoot up in value. Is it? Yeah. I don't think we should be taking finance advice from Travis. <laughs> he thinks that squirrels are going somewhere. Oh, they are. They are. Yeah. Yeah, in his bedroom. Even even Magical Christmas Land doesn't have squirrels going anywhere. Anyway. So what what's fun? What can we do in Standard right now to take to F&M that's fun? I had tremendous fun with that Descent into Madness combo this week. By the way, foil Descent into Madness on face-to-face games, 250. I've been considering pulling the trigger, but I don't know. <laughs> well, I just built this Heartless Summoning deck we were talking about while we were talking about it. And I want to hit a docket. I'm going to hit a turn four Sylvan Primordial. That seems good. Yeah. Well, I can. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I can get behind that. I don't think your opponent can get behind it, but... I think he's going to be a little bit angry. It puts the forest he's into gonna play, He's going to have to right? throw things in front of it. That's what he's going to have to do. The forest goes into play? Yes, it does. Yeah. Sweet. But apart from Heartless Summoning, what can we do? Like, what cards are out there that we, we want to build with that are just underplayed right now? If we want to avoid the graveyard, what can we do? Uh, this isn't going to help your point, but you can convince your TO to sanction modern FMs and play modern instead. The better format. Yeah, let's not get snobby here. <laughs> Vampires. Modern is awesome, but I think standard is very good at the moment, too. Vampires. Vampires don't use the graveyard. Yeah, I don't think you said I heard it when I said good. <laughs> <laughs> One thing, I, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, I find standard really fun to, to play right now, but it's terrible to watch. Like, none of these decks actually do anything interesting. The last interesting deck was the, the change to the human reanimator combo when they brought in Burning Tree Emissary and Undercity Informer, but like, nothing is fun to watch play out anymore. And these past few events, there's been so little innovation since the Pro Tour that just for somebody, even me, who loves watching Magic, I find it really hard to stay attached to the computer this weekend. A lot of times it seems to come down to the top deck. 
you know, like, like they both kind of gain a bunch of life and get their opponent's life down and, you know, it's kind of swinging one way and then swinging the other way and then it kind of stalls out and you're just, it just comes down to, you know, who gets that piece of removal first or who gets, you know, the threat that they need. It, it's, it just, it's constantly coming down to top decking. Well, it, it's reminded me a lot of, uh, the way the standard was before Kessig Wolfram was printed when it was just, you know, you can play whatever Titan you want. It seems like so many of the games right now are just built around having whoever hits that final card that just puts the nail in the coffin. I was watching the Prime Speaker Bant mirror match in the top four of the SCG this morning, and it was basically coming down to, or I'll play Angel of Serenity, okay, then you play Angel of Serenity, taking my Angel of Serenity, then I'll play another Angel of Serenity, taking your Angel of Serenity, giving my other Angel of Serenity back, and it was just, it was, yeah. I think it reminds me more of when Naya was dominating, right? When Naya Pod and uh, all the Naya decks with Restoration Angel and Huntmaster and Bonfire, and some of them were playing Pod and some weren't. You know, back when Will was at his happiest playing Standard. Mm, no, my happiest was playing Cobblade. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> those, 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 those mirror matches. Those I were the days. Once, I never once went to time playing a Cobblade mirror. No, I I don't see why you would. Like people just took way too long on those. But you know, just this week I actually went onto YouTube and watched that Cobblade video that I made. It was pretty funny. That's what this standard reminds me of. Just non-stop big creatures. Like all of the decks are just value decks. It's just good cards dot deck. You know, like Jund and stuff like that. The only one that isn't is the Humanimator deck and. That combo was neat when it first came out, but now it's just like, yeah, you're going to mill yourself, and then you're going to mill me. Right, which is why we need Gatecrash. Uh, Dragon's Maze, sorry. I, I think that's probably accurate. I mean, we've got a little way to go. We either need Dragon's Maze, or we need someone to actually shake the format up with a, a different deck. How about a combo with the, uh, the Demir Guildmage? And Jace. That could be interesting, yeah. Or, you know, just anything that's going to, you know, mill you and kill you at the same time. So that right, you don't actually have to, you don't even have to mill them out. You can just kill them with the damage from milling. Well, there was somebody on SCG this weekend playing Blue-Black Control, uh, and he had four Mind Grind main. So, interesting. Yeah. Uh, he lost to Mana Screw. He was also playing Thespian Stage in the main deck because he could copy Drown Yards when he was ready to kill, but otherwise he could copy whatever mana he needed. Yeah. Chris, you could play Mindgrime with that whatever... Um, the one that makes your instance cost two less. Arcane Melee. There you go. I've looked at that and Luna Mystic so many times. Luna Mystic is the one that says whenever you play an instant or sorcery... Uh, you can draw a card. And I thought, man, they're probably terrible, but there's a deck here. I can feel it. Oh, it's whenever you cast an instant spell, you may pay one if you do draw a card. It's a ra rare, and it costs 25 cents. <clears throat> and, and, uh, so, you know, that's something that could be looked at. It's probably terrible, but... I no, can't imagine I that that deck wouldn't have Delvers in it. See, 
you're probably right. The thing is, well, you're going to play Demir Charm, but you've got Luna Mystic, Arcane Melee, and Delver. That's already 12 cards that aren't instants of sorceries. If you're playing Mind Grind, you need a decent amount of mana. So, huh, it's possible. Certainly worth looking at, anyway. Uh, Bant Delver, uh, Zvi Mauschewitz posted a list that I thought was really intriguing that ran like Call of the Conclave and Selesnia Charm, which not only flipped Delver, but can make tokens as well so that you can beat down. Certainly kind interesting. Of, yeah, pretty sure that. Uh, I don't know what other. I don't know if you'd play Midnight Haunting, but you know there's certainly enough instants and sorceries. Like you play Azurius Charm, Simic Charm, Selesnia Charm. All three of those charms are very good. Selesnia Charm seems to have fallen off the radar somewhat. When it's like, well, I, I mean, no, it was never really on the radar, right? Like it, it was showed up in the Auras deck from Atlantic City, and it was seeing playing Bank Control in the sideboard. It was seeing playing green white humans. Yeah, it was it was in a lot of decks, but it sort of stopped being played when Gate Crush came out, and I'm not sure why because it's still good. It still takes out the big creatures. You know, it'll get a Thrag Tusk out of the way. It's really good. right, but I mean, like Gate Crush is really filled with a whole lot of decks that, uh, like, it's coming from. Uh, sorry, it's not decks, uh, guilds. So you have Boros, right, which Boros is just, you know, attacking straightforward. And it has Gruul, which is exactly the same thing. Unfortunately, Demir is just awful across the board, so it, it doesn't really have have an impact, an impact unfortunately. Uh, then again, you have Simic, which is growing creatures and attacking again. So there's kind of a huge shift uh, focus from Gatecrash on, you know, just kind of pounding and pounding. And, like, the spells that exist just, I, I find, don't really match up at all. Yeah, I mean, there's just aggro, and then there's aggroer. <laughs> That's basically, like, <laughs> the guilds in, uh, in, in Gatecrash. Well, yeah. I mean, Orzhov doesn't really fit that mold, though. Well, no, and Demir doesn't really fit that mold, and, and that's why those two guilds, like, very often aren't winning, you know? Especially in, you know, in, in F&M's, a draft, and things like that. They're just not doing as well. It's just too slow. I've had a lot of success with Ozov, actually. It's just, you have to draft it properly. But I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> like, not unless I'm splashing in a Boros deck. That's the only time <laughs> that there's, there's like, <laughs> Orzov is good. So we've got a couple of ideas that we've thrown at you. And, you know, I think Standard is in a place right now where you literally can brew and, and expect to do well. Uh, and that's what we like to do here. So we're always looking for your deck lists. Do send them in. We'll read them on the show and, and tell you what we think. And who knows? You might see them uh, played on our stream. Uh, what stream am I talking about? Well, Will, why don't you tell them what the stream is? It's the Horde of Oceans stream. Sorry, we, we're we unoriginal when it comes to naming, so... I thought it was called your Tuesday Brews Day. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's the Horde of Oceans stream, and we're... We're calling the episodes... Uh, we were debating, but I like the term Brews Day, not magic. Okay. <laughs> if we, we play on I mean, Tuesdays. We, we still have to see. But right right now, it's Bros Day magic. Bros Day? So, no Adina? 
<laughs> Not on Tuesday nights. I'm working on Tuesday nights. But hopefully there will be some night when we're streaming, when I'm around, and I can join in too. So right now it's on Tuesday nights. And, yes. And it's you guys on Modo playing brews that we've come up with as a group. Right. So I like the the main focus that we want to have is... It's nice that, as I mentioned before, it's nice that, you know, you can send us in deck lists or we can come up with deck lists, but, you know, we're, it's essentially just, you know, we're telling you continuously words, right? You know, we're just saying, okay, like, these cards, these cards, these cards, these cards, but we're not actually coming up with, say, any concrete deck lists, which certainly, you know, I can see from a person's perspective, they're like, well, it's nice that you guys say that these decks exist, but, like, there's no actual, like, way of actually putting it, there's no, uh, they're not written down anywhere. So this is our opportunity to essentially write them down, if you will. Yeah. And so it's also an opportunity for us to play test decks that you guys send us. Against uh, a field of relatively the metagame. Uh, there's not one of us that are, say, infinitely moto-rich, so... We're much uh, more uh, prepared to play modern decks than we are standard so, like, the the initial episode we ran, we focused on modern because one, me and Will have both been testing that format extensively for PTQ season, but two, we both seem to have a lot of the cards for that format. No, that doesn't mean we don't want you to send standard decks. Please do. That is correct. Like, right now, I'm, I'm working with this Heartless Summoning pile, and um, that might be what we play this week. Yeah, you never know. I'm already thinking I want white instead of blue. <laughs> Really? So the Dead Eye Navigator or Sphinx of Ruthun isn't doing anything for you? I haven't drew, drawn either of those yet, but... He's also testing against uh, human aggro, which is probably not the best matchup you want. No, that's true, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I finally drew a Mutilate. Good job. So Silvoc Primordial is going to be the biggest thing on the board. Sylvan Primordial. Anyway... Huh? <laughs> it's so, still pretty big yeah that's our stream plans uh, keep your eyes open for that it will be hopefully Tuesdays uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Hordecast uh, to get an announcement of when we'll be going live so that you can uh, come along and watch it'll mostly be Travis and Will playing I will make the occasional uh, appearance and probably Adina will too on some nights to uh, pick at these guys games and tell them how horrible they are and you'll get all the typical Horde of Notions banter and terrible puns and such that you've come to know and love. Actually, well, Travis and I were discussing this on the first one. Uh, the podcast itself is PG, and we try not to use, say, profanity slash swearing. Uh, w- that same guarantee can't be made for the uh, for for the stream. So you know, sometimes listener listener beware. There may be a, a bit of uh, foul language. But we will keep it to a minimum. It's not like yes. we're going to be gratuitously swearing. Like. Oh, no, no, no. We're not going overboard and out of our way to. It's just, you know, occasionally there may be a slip-up. Mostly from Travis. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one piece of news related to the podcast. Uh, we're and, still... And that's, that's going to be broadcast on Twitch and our Twitch uh, channel is called Horde of Notions. Imagine that. So, 
<laughs> I, I think if I think you can actually subscribe on Twitch, you can sign up, can't you? Yeah, you yeah. can follow yeah. Yeah, and, and follow channels. Yeah, you'll get an email when the stream goes live, which can be useful. Yeah. Uh, is, so it, is it horde underline of underline notions? Yeah, yeah, okay. horde under, yes. So there's that. Uh, other than that, let's move on to a random moment of geekery. Adina, go. I have been reading. Okay, I'm a girl, so <gasps> I'm just going to put that disclaimer out there. Um, so I've been reading a book. Hey, how about that? And um, uh, wait, girls read. Yeah, once in a while, and it's a book. I, I started reading it because I saw a movie poster for it, and so I know they're making it into a movie, and I thought, hmm, I wonder what that's about. The Host by Stephanie Meyer. So, Oh, uh, yeah. Was uh, I was so disappointed <laughs> by that trailer. The tra- You don't was, didn't like was, the trailer? I was very, very upset by that, because there's like they released uh, when it... Like, the first trailer I think they released was, like, three minutes long. And, like, for the first two minutes of it, I was like, holy crap, like, I'm excited for this. Until they got to the last one minute, and I was like, oh. Uh." Well, it's it's interesting, because as I'm reading the book so far, and I'm not very far into the book, and I don't want to give too many spoilers or anything about the book, but, of course, it's completely different than the Twilight series, because that is kind of a, you know, vampire, supernatural type of storyline, whereas this is more of a sci-fi storyline. Also, this one is, instead of Edward and Jacob, it's uh, Team Steve and Joshua. I haven't gotten far enough to hear who Steve is, so I'm not even that far in the book. But I I, I have no idea what the oh. books are. About, so. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So and, so so the one thing about the book that I'm finding interesting is that it is told. It's very much an internal, like it's told inside the mind of the one character, and so I'm really interested to see how they're going to portray that on the on the screen because a lot of it is thoughts. You know, it's it's one of those where it's it's a first person perspective, and so you're hearing thoughts and you're hearing other thoughts, and I'm just wondering how they're going to do that, how they're going to physicalize that. Hmm. Physicalize, I like it. <laughs> sure, yeah. I just, you know, how how's that going to portray on the screen? How are they going to change that into dialogue that's out loud, or is it is it going to be that you hear the thoughts? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just wondering how they're going to do it. So. Okay. Uh, well, your moment of geekery. Don't yes. you dare steal mine. Uh, so, as you all know, I'm a huge fan of... I don't know. I forget what your moment of geekery was. I think it was about, it was about like Xbox or being in Newfoundland. Uh, no, actually, mine is... Uh, there we go. Okay. There's this thing called Fireglass. And what it is, is basically you put it in some ceramic bowl or pit or whatever, and you light it on fire. Yeah. So instead of having, so instead of having, you know, a fire pit with wood, uh, you can have, it's actually, uh, these shards of glass that continuously burn. Really? Really. Cool. Do they ever, like, disappear? Or can you just burn them in permanently? Well, see, that's just it. I wanted to, like, buy some to, to, like, put outside, right? 
uh, for in the summer, but it seems only available in the U.S. right now. Like, it seems like you can order it to Canada, but it's apparently, like, infinite dollars to ship. Oh. So it's only available for can- uh, for U.S., but you can get up to 100 different colors. As for how it actually works... It looks really outside cool. Of the, outside of the putting glass in a bowl and then lighting on fire, I don't really know. So cool. But it's certainly something that uh, I should probably have get look into. So cool. Can I just say, ha-ha, fire, fire, ha-ha. No. No, you can't. Stop it. <laughs> this stuff looks awesome. It looks like it, it it can't be real. It's that cool. It actually is, though. Because I, I, I thought so, too. I saw that, and I was like, this is someone playing a hoax. But there's actually a company that is behind it and makes it. And I was like, huh, this seems like a very elaborate website for someone's hoax. Well, there's a wicked hey, again. This so link he's I, given I, us is not like... It, it's not like on Pinterest where if you click on it, it takes you to the website where you can buy it. Well, you can just go Google search. Jeez. Oh, also, gonna make like, me does tight? he have to think oh of everything gosh. himself? Just just to make sure that it, it, it was Israel, though, uh, I contacted uh, Manti Teo, and he's never heard of it before. So <laughs> Apparently they sell it at Walmart. Oh, that's the surefire place that I want to <laughs> buy it. Well... See, another sign that they clearly sell everything at Walmart in the States. Okay, this looks awesome. All right, Travis, your moment of geekery. Oh, actually, on a side note, uh, one of my buddies just lost to in the Rochester PTQ final to KikiPod. Woohoo! So Travis is still a deck. Tell him to give me his list. Uh, no, he's the one who lost. Oh, well, still tell me to give him his list. What was he playing? Who? Which buddy, by the way? Uh, Dmac. Okay. Boo! Shout out to Dmac. Good job making the finals. Win it next time, buddy. Okay, Travis. Moment of geekery. All right, my moment of geekery is a picture from the meta picture. It says you can be cool, but you'll never be a Spetsnaz backflipping over barbed wire and throwing a hatchet cool. It's a picture of a Russian soldier doing a backflip over a pile of barbed wire and hurling a hand axe. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> but I think it's pretty cool. It's, uh, it pales in comparison to my moment of geekery. So I was trolling around on the interwebs, and I found this video that someone has put together of a 16-bit Doctor Who. And it's hilarious. It's a, basically a video done in the style of a 16-bit RPG, and it it just looks amazing. I really want to... Well, it doesn't look amazing. It looks like Doctor Who, but with some cynicism put in. It's really fun. You should. Uh, the link will be in the show notes, so you can get a look at so it. I won't have to look at this. I'm a, officially like a full Doctor Who fanat. I know. But yeah, it's really cool. Is it really cool? It's you don't seem like super you pumped seem up on the, about it. You seem on the fence, Chris. No, I'm definitely not on the fence. <laughs> that would be a pretty big fence. It's hilarious. Just like me. Uh, sure. Why not? Now, you're creepy looking, remember? <laughs> right. <laughs> Shout out to that guy. <laughs> In related news, I can't stop looking at this fire glass. 
It looks like you put it in, you have a, a gas fire pit, and so you're actually burning the gas, and the glass isn't actually on fire, it's just the fire comes through it, and it looks pretty, and it just doesn't burn, it sits there because it's glass. Who would have thought Adina would be the one to ruin everyone's fun with setting fire to stuff? Yeah, way to go, Adina. Jeez. Using facts and logic. And I science. I know, right? Science? Okay, uh, let's move to shout-outs then, ladies and gentlemen. Adina, shout-outs? Shout out to Martinet for hosting our website. Shout out to Card Kitty for the image on our website. Shout out to Josh Goldman. Happy birthday. Um, so we're actually recording on his birthday. So yay. Shout out there. And uh, shout out to Ricky Hayashi. I just got an email from him saying that he's going to be coming through Wyoming this summer. And hopefully at some point he will be somewhere in the vicinity of where I am and can administer a judge test for me. That would be awesome. Ricky's at level three, cool. right? Yeah, he is level three. Yep. No, no, I meant Adina's going to get to level three before Chris. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I think it should be a race. <laughs> well, I'm not even level two yet, so there's that. So you have to be level two right. for so, a year before you can even... Not to so mention I have to be level two and do a whole bunch of other stuff that, you know, I just barely got the stuff done to get to level two. So I've, I'm not willing to uh, jump into that race because I just I don't see that happening anytime soon. Perfect. So it's a race. Well, eventually Chris, I'm going to be a level one. You and Chris Yay! race to be the first one to judge a Pro Tour, and Travis and I will race to be the first ones to play it on Pro Tour on the cast. So, you know, if I get my level two, then I could actually administer a test and test you for level one. So that would be pretty cool. Hey, that works. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, so so my final shout out to is uh, is to whoever is the judge who is picking who the judges are for Las Vegas because I put in my application and I really like to judge Las Vegas. Lock up. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's Sean Cadenese. That's his region. And good luck. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, shout out to Sean Cadenese because I really like him and he's really cool and he's been very helpful in you know. I went to the the LA um hey, Adina. The, the Southern California uh, judge yeah, conference. it's not going to help. <laughs> well, I'm just I can still send him a shout out because actually he is really cool. So He is actually, yes. And a podcaster on top of it. So. Well, he used to be, yeah. Yep, one of the original judge cast podcasters. With, with Ricky. Was, with Ricky, which was one of the reasons why I was interested in judging to begin with. So Yeah, much better than the new judge cast. Anyway, uh, the one with you on it? No, that's Judge Cast North. The one with Brian Prillman on it. Well, shoutouts. Uh, Sounds like a cheap shot. You can uh, you can go and if you're going to be at Grand Prix San Diego, or Grand Prix Pittsburgh, you can go up to the booth. Uh, they will be uh, there. Uh, an anti shoutout to everyone who was in my car uh, for the PTQ yesterday because we all, after top eighting the week before, we all somehow managed to do horribly. <laughs> you didn't do horribly. You had a win and in. Yeah, and oh, yeah, but see, here's the thing, right? Like, I mean, while well, I lost my win and in, and that's all fine, uh, round two, and anyone who was there and who saw this can attest to this, I played the worst round of Magic that anyone <laughs> has ever played in the history of ever. <laughs> yeah, I doubt that. Oh, no. It was... 
it was so atrocious because I I actually have uh, the way that I work for tournaments that I go to is I don't use a life pad. What I use is I take uh, I basically use like I keep a pile of scrap paper around just so like old deck lists or anything like that, and I chop them up into four and I clip them together and then I use that. So on one side, on the left hand side, I write down uh, the, our life totals and whether like for a D it was damage. Uh, F is a fetch, S is a shock, uh, and then the thing, go- and then like the list goes on for the abbreviations I have, just so I can keep track. And on the right hand side, in a different color, I write down every single uh, card that is in my opponent's deck, just so that I'm aware. Even if it's constructed that way, I know what cards I've seen throughout. At the same time, I also keep a note, notes of misplays that I do throughout the tournament, which is uh, also in uh, black. And for that specific round of misplays that I noticed within, say, a 10 to 15 second window, there are 11, and after talking with one of my buddies who was watching the match, there that number jumped to 23. It was the epitome of awful magic playing. <laughs> Sounds like you had a bad game. Three bad games, actually. Well, technically it was two. The, the second game I should have mulliganed a hand that I didn't, and that cost me. But yeah, so an anti-shout out to our car because somehow we all managed to not do very well. And because of that, we're going PTQ road tripping next weekend. Uh, As well, an anti-shout out to Joshua Lemesh, obviously. We need need an anti-shout out to that guy. He knows why. And uh, I think that's it. Oh, again, shout out to the guy who called me creepy. I don't know why, but thanks, buddy. Great, greatly appreciated. Well, we know why. He saw your face. Watch your mouth, buddy boy. Or there's going to be a beatdown of the Travis. Okay. Uh, speaking of Travis, shout-outs, though. Uh, shout-outs to Team Girth, Kirk DeBay, Billy, Jacob, Brian, David, all of you. Uh, shout-out to the wife. Shout-out to um, everyone on Twitter who has been giving me ideas. And that's about it. I don't have a lot of shout-outs this week. I'll remember someone five minutes after we get off. And, hey, now. <laughs> this is a family show. Uh, I want to give... I'm actually going to give you props for that one. That one was actually pretty decent. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm actually quite impressed with that. Alrighty, Fine. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to you guys, because this has been fun. Uh Give a shout-out to Torian Mahler on Twitter, uh, Kevin Baldwin. Fun guy. It's been good to talk to. Uh, another shout-out, Art Geek on Twitter. He knows why. Uh, I forget the guy's real name, but I won't use it just in case he doesn't want it spread around. Shout-out to Marshall. Uh, he's back doing altars again, and he did an experiment project and a prime speaker, Zagana. And holy cow, were they beautiful. And uh, he's agreed to do an extension for me. Hair extensions? No. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hair extensions. <laughs> Mustache extensions? No, I don't need one of those. But you know, you know what I mean. Like, that's the style of, of Alter he does. He extends the border, basically makes it into a full art. Those are usually the best alters. Yeah, because they're tournament legal. Right. And they look amazing. So I was trying to think of alters aren't tournament legal. Uh, ones that significantly change the art or cover the text box. Oh. But full art ones are legal? Yeah, because they don't change the art. 
the the actual art is left untouched. You're just extending it out to the borders of the card. They don't change the casting cost or the text box or the name of the card. It just extends the artwork on it. As long as the paint isn't too thick and it can't be seen at the top of the sleeve, you're fine. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Now, the more you know. with a caveat, any alter is down to the discretion of the head judge as to whether or not it's going to be legal. So, like, for Chris, if you're not going to trade him that altar because he finds it really nice, you're not allowed playing it. Um, no. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so shout-out to Marshall for uh, agreeing to do one of those for me. Trying to figure out what card I should get. Then. I mean, the, the one that immediately jumped to mind was Ghost in McJazz Hands, but I already have a play set of foils of those, and I don't know that the artwork on that would look tremendously amazing as extended. I, I I actually have an idea. Okay, is this a serious one or a troll one? It's unfortunate that it's only one card that you get done, because I know Travis would love this. What you should do is you should get him to do the entire deck, and that deck is eggs. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, you see, I'm foiling out eggs, so I don't really need that done. You know, I think uh, the guy that I lost to playing eggs top aided the uh, SCG PTQ or SCG indie. Oh, awesome! So at least I didn't I, lose to a bad eggs player. Actually, speaking of, well, one of the guys in my car is a uh, he only plays eggs that I went down to with, uh, to go back, and he's a fantastic at playing eggs. But he has some tech that he actually came up with. Now I don't know if it's his tech; it might be someone else's. But what he does is he plays one copy of Blind Obedience in the board. Oh, oh! And he, and he there's some matches he sideboards out pirate spell bomb for blind obedience. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I really like that. I've started playing Edge of Autumn actually in mine. I I know. Well, that's that was in one of your lists originally. No. No. Hmm. I wonder whose list I stole then that was in. Because I know I I had played that originally, and I, it certainly has its effect its effects to a certain point. Well, it's a but I'm not sure if you if you really want it all the time. It's a free card draw because you sack the land that's, and it's going to come back anyway. If you draw it when you're getting go when you're uh, going off, it's basically just a free card. It costs you no mana. It puts another land in your graveyard, so it actually can speed up your mana when you cast second sunrise again. It can dig you to another egg or to another uh, sunrise effect. So yeah, I I found it really good. Plus, it's uncounterable, for the most part. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, that's, so, yeah, I'm not sure what card to get done. I would uh, appreciate some suggestions from the listeners. Preferably something that either isn't available in foil or wouldn't make much sense to get foil. A card that just... Oh, my God. I know exactly what it should be. Oh, yeah? What's that? Actually, Wait. I'm going to let you keep talking because there might be a better one, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure I have it. Just just a card that I play and that is associated with me, and no, oh. Lost in the Mist is not going to be it. No, no, no. No, you said something that isn't available in foil, right? Yeah. All right. How about Mirage Dissipate? I have a playset of foils. Of Mirage Dissipate? Well, not Mirage Dissipate, but it's the artwork. The FNM foil for Dissipate was the Mirage artwork. Well, that's the only... He schooled you there. That's the only Richard Kane Ferguson card that's... I mean, I guess you can get, like, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar? No. 
Um, but like, looking at RKF artwork, uh, oh, Arcane Denial. Pillage. I don't. I didn't know if you played. That Pillage is an F and M foil. I got them too. And Desertion was in Commander's Arsenal. But he also did Icequake. Icequake would be a good one to get because I wanted in my cube. Well, if you got one choice, it's got to be something by Richard Kane Ferguson. I don't know how Marshall would feel about extending the art on that, though. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, listeners, send me in some suggestions. Put them in the comments or leave them on our Facebook page. And also, don't send them anything squirrel-related, because that's, that's Travis. Travis that likes yeah, that's squirrels. Me. Clearly, you're not a good listener if you think Chris likes squirrels. So one thing I notice that we don't normally do before we wrap up is tell people where they can contact us. So let's go over that really quickly. Adina, where can you be reached if people want to get hold of you? Uh, <laughs> I can be reached on Twitter at PRSGirl. Uh, basically, my, my ID everywhere on the on the web is PRSGirl, which is Punk Rock Shred Girl, P-R-S-G-R-R-L. So at PRSGirl on Twitter. PRSGirl on Modo if I'm ever on there, which lately I haven't been. Uh, but if you ever see me online, PRSGirl is my ID on Modo, or you can email me, PRSGirl at gmail.com. All right. Oh, well, and I have a Tumblr. I have a Tumblr also, which is PRSGirl.tumblr.com. Well, where can you be reached? Uh, okay, my last name backwards. It's N-O-D-N-O-L-B at uh, anything, because that's <laughs> I have the exact same handle. For everything, yeah, he cornered the market on that one. Apparently, when 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 the internet was first invented, I pretty much scooped up everything I could with uh, Nod Nob. Mm. Uh, unless, however, unless you're Joshua Lemish, if you're Joshua Lemish, if you want to reach me, the best way to do that is uh, write a letter, address it to the North Pole, and just put it in any ra- random trash can. It'll get to me. It's like magic. <laughs> Jeez, that poor guy. Uh, also, that's not your summoner name on League, is it? Yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, Travis, where can you be reached? Travis Hall, 456. Uh, like Will, it's on probably almost anywhere. That's my Magic and Magic Online, my Twitter, my email. Um, especially Twitter. I pay a lot of attention to what goes on there. So Yes, you do. Hit me up on Twitter. And as for me, you can get me on Twitter. I tweet occasionally, at Delicious. Spelled exactly the way it is in the show notes. Shout out to Clues, by the way. I forgot that earlier. Uh, you can also uh, read my articles each week on manadeprived.com. The Achievement Unlock series should be up and back from its hiatus very soon. I've been slowly writing it this weekend. You can get the show on Twitter at Hordecast. You can also find us on Facebook. Search for Horde of Notions Podcast. And, of course, you can find us on MTGcast, which hopefully is where you heard this, or on iTunes. And our website, hordeofnotions.com, which I'm sure will be updated soon, Adina. Yes. Oh, I actually have another shout-out. Uh, I know that I gave an anti-shout-out to everyone in my car, but it so happens to be KYT's birthday on Tuesday, uh, March 12th. So a shout-out in advance to KYT. Thank you for reminding me. And a shout-out today uh, to Charlotte Sable, whose birthday was yesterday. Uh, so, yeah, happy birthday to my co-host from... Judge Cast North. So, on that note, let's wrap this baby up. So, for Adina, for Will, and for Travis, this is Chris saying join us again next time for another exciting episode of Horde of Notions. Or is that Horde of Lotions? Hell right.